Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 117. four weeks. It's probably been a month. It's been so long. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you had a lovely May. (laughs) I think I might have done one of these in May. It's hard to say. I have been gone. Let's see. It is day 825 of my pandemic. Is it still a pandemic? Do people still care about that? I still care about the May 13th. Today is June 12th. It is just under a month since the last time we talked. Uh, I still I still care about the pandemic. I'm just back from a three-week trip to New England. Stayed 10 days, nine days in Salem, Massachusetts. And then like 12 days in uh, Somerville, Massachusetts. Somerville being uh, the town adjacent to Cambridge and Boston, sort of north wedged in between Cambridge and Boston like a pie piece to the north. Kind of like if you went to the Museum of Science and kept heading west, northwest, let's say. A lot of people have moved to Cambridge or Somerville as they can't afford Boston and Cambridge. It's been gentrifying for ages. The drummer in my old band, Craig, he was ahead of the game. He bought a place in Somerville with a $20,000 down payment in like mid-90s. Maybe 99, 98. And I remember thinking at the time, I would never have $20,000. That that was an incomprehensibly large down payment. And therefore, I should just not think about houses. Because I will never be able to afford one. Uh, he bought it for, it was like three hundred grand. The thing was well over the, I think, $2 million now. He sold it long ago. So, you know, he captured some of that upside, but not most of it. Uh, but yeah, since then, everybody's moved to Somerville. Now they're getting priced out of Somerville. They're moving to Medford. Some people are going to Watertown. It's kind of a shame for a while there. Everybody I knew in Boston was pretty much in the Somerville area, but now they're starting to spread out more and more as they move further and further out. But anyway, yeah, we drove up. Overnight drive. Finished work on a two Wednesday, a Wednesday, I'm going to say. And we left Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Jane was so excited. And she was a great I did the first leg of the drive, got us through Richmond, Virginia, close to D.C., about four hours. And by then, Jane was asleep. And then we switched to Emma, and I passed out. And Emma just drove and drove. I drove all night to get to you. Uh, First time I woke up briefly was in, I think I woke up for a hot second. Oh, yeah, I woke up on the Beltway in D.C. for a hot second, but I hadn't really fallen asleep yet because the Beltway is, Beltway is such a garbage road. Uh, I fell back asleep on the BWI, Baltimore-Washington Parkway, and woke up in Connecticut. Emma had driven all the way through New York, George Washington Bridge, Jersey, Turnpike, and Delaware, Maryland, and missed all of it. And uh, it was raining and dark, and it was just her and trucks, and she did a great job. She refilled in Connecticut, and Jane was like, I don't feel so well. And, uh, but she got over it, and she went back in, and she went back to sleep, and Emma drove all the way to just outside Boston, and I drove us into Boston. Um, we couldn't get into our... We got in at 7 a.m. Overnight driving, driving, you know, like... You miss all the rush hours. D.C. rush hour is horrific. New York rush hour is not as bad, but it's still pretty bad. Uh, and you know, 
we're up there for 10 days or three weeks and renting a car for that would be thousands and thousands of dollars plus the airfare. So it just made sense to drive for many reasons. Pandemic, wanting our car once we got up there, all the stuff we were bringing because we we're staying in Airbnbs, we we're going to be cooking our own meals. We had a, you know, a child and all the stuff you got to bring with a child just made sense to drive. And so then it made sense to drive at night. And, you know, somewhere, somewhere like two hours into the drive as Jane was falling asleep, I was like, what if this doesn't work? <laughs> what if, what if Jane just doesn't fall asleep and she screams at us for 10 hours? Uh, but it worked. And I was like, we're so lucky. We're so lucky. We couldn't get into our Airbnb in Salem until 3 p.m. We got in at 7 a.m. My friend Doug has a condo in New York, in Boston, downtown on the, on the park that he used to live in, but now he rents out, but it's between tenants. So he like, let us stay there for the day. It was amazing. It really helped. We got breakfast. Jane and I walked around a little bit downtown Boston. She was very tired, but very exciting. Emma napped. And we got to Salem, and we just crashed again. There were, I don't think we saw anyone that night. And then, uh, yeah, then Friday was the wedding. So and the reason we were in Salem was because Emma has a cousin. She's got a bunch of family on the North Shore, and one of them was getting married. And uh, most of our friends are in Boston. We have some friends in the Salem area. We have a friend in Hamilton, which is, you know, say goes Salem. The next town to the north is Beverly, and the next town north of that is Hamilton. And, uh, you know, our family's up there. And Boston, you just couldn't get a hotel or an Airbnb because of all the graduations. So we were like, we got to stay somewhere because we had to stay in Boston because we had a party coming up. And we had Mike Gill's memorial. So we knew we were going to be in Boston like three weeks. So we decided to stay in Salem because my friend Annie had moved to Salem recently. And I, I miss Annie and I thought it'd be really nice. And I looked forward to the idea of seeing, you know, her for a week. And we were close to our friend Ashley in Hamilton. And, and, and you know, it just made sense. So uh, we stayed in Salem, went to this wedding. It was in Gloucester, a lovely town. It was on some boats. And then the, re- the reception was at Lobsterland. It was a good time. I knew the cousins and I knew, you know, Emma's aunt and uncle. But... I knew like six people there, including the groom, didn't know the bride, uh, you know, had met, he's got several brothers and I'd met like one of their wives I've met several times early in, in our relationship when I would go to like Christmas and Thanksgiving at their house. But the other ones, you know, that was a decade ago. And so the other two brothers, their four brothers, the other two not getting married and the so the, the the bride, I, you know, I met one of the other spouses once or twice and that was it. So, you know, I just didn't really know them. I knew the two brothers, his wife, uh, I met one of the, the wives once and I knew the parents and I still had a great time. I love weddings. It was super fun. It was on a boat. It was outside. So that was great. The reception was on a patio. It had an indoor bar area, but Emma and I were very careful. We wore a mask the whole time. When we ever, we went inside, we stayed outside and, uh, a couple days later, the cousin called and said there was a minor COVID outbreak and we didn't get it. Uh, today, uh, that's the story of this whole thing is we did not get COVID in our three weeks in Boston of intense, consistent socializing. I've seen hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> since I last talked to you and I did not get COVID. I just took my test today. I was a negative today's Saturday. That means five full days since we last saw anyone. So I think we're in pretty good shape now. So that's the, that's the spoiler ending to this story. It was hard. I'm not going to lie. I, a lot of our Boston friends uh, have gotten COVID recently are going into bars and things like that. And uh, the one thing that really saved this is that the party, so Annie and, Annie and her, her partner Bill in Salem are very careful as well. So that was great. And then so were Ashley and her, part, her husband Brandon up in Hamilton. So the people we saw the first week were all very careful. 
they and they were, you know, we, we got an Airbnb right on the Salem Commons, right by the playground. So generally speaking, people would come to us and we'd hang out at the playground while Jane played with the kids and uh, or we'd go on walks, things like that, walk through Salem. So, it was, you know, there's downsides. We didn't get to go to the Peabody Essex Museum. We didn't, you know, go into a lot of places, but there's a lot of outdoor seating in Salem, a lot of places to eat and drink. We, we, could, we had meals and drinks with people outside. It was fine. Uh, walked around a lot. It's a beautiful town. I love it. I love it so much. I kind of like immediately was obsessed with living there. It's like a gorgeous walkable town with one of my best friends ever and a bunch of goths. I mean, and a great record store and a good goth tiki bar. I mean, what more could you want out of a town? I love Salem. I love Salem. I want to go back. Uh, Emma loved it too, but she's dubious of going back for another long stay because she was very traumatized by the move between the two Airbnbs. We'll get to that. Uh, anyway, first week was lovely. Uh, one night, uh, Sean and em- Emily and Abby and Richard Bouchard all came up from Boston and went out with me and Annie, and and it was great. Uh, Emma and I sort of started the move that we would do a lot during this trip, which is that one of us would socialize for the first part of the night, put Jane down, do bedtime and everything, and then around 10 o'clock we would swap. And so I, I hung out with them. It was uh, Emma bedtime. I hung out with them. And then I went to bed and Emma came out and then they all hung out with Emma. And it works great. I mean, because, you know, one thing I really learned from this trip is that, like, it's very, very, very exhausting to have a job because I did not take all the time off. I took select days off for, like, the weddings and the parties and the drive days. But, you know, midweek, I, I, I worked. And... uh have a job, have a kid, have friends, go out, still get up every morning. I, you know, Janet does two mornings a week here down in North Carolina, and I lost that on the trip. So I, was, I did every morning of the whole trip, and it was exhausting. Going out, drinking, seeing friends, going, staying up too late, and getting up every day. I had to get up, and, you know, I still kept writing my daily email. I missed, like, one or two days, but I mostly did it. Uh, I was very tired. I'm not going to lie. It was an exhausting trip. So in the middle of the week, I would often take it easy. I'd do my work. I, you know, I was doing a lot of, a lot of stuff was work is really busy and I was doing a lot of calls and meetings and, and, uh, you know, I was taking it more easy during the week. So, but yeah, that first week is great. Just a lot of hanging out in Salem, walking around, going to beaches. We were staying right between Boston or the Salem common and the beach. It was amazing. It's just, just great. Just great. And then we moved to an Airbnb in Somerville, just around the corner from Sean and Jesse's house, uh, because there's a really great playground right next to Sean and Jesse's house, right next to it. And so it's a great place to meet people. We can bring Jane to the playground. She loves these playgrounds. She loves it. She's been great. She's been great with other kids. She can spend six hours a day on the playground without complaining. She like, she's social. She's fine. We're definitely, we're still a little worried about that after the pandemic, but it's totally fine. And then, you know, the house is right there. See so if somebody needs to go to the bathroom or something like that. So that's what we did in Boston. Every day we could take Jane to the playground and friends would visit us. A lot of friends have kids in Boston now. So that all worked out really well. Uh, spent a lot of time on the playground with friends. And then also at night, you know, they like Sean has little parties on the playground. It's kind of how they survived the pandemic is they just have these little parties on the playground and, uh, you know, keep the music down. The cops don't really care. Neighbors don't really care. And, uh, so we would do that at night. So the thing that saved us is the party that me, Sean, Jesse, Evelise, and Al had a joint 50th birthday party. The last Friday we were on this trip. 
and nobody wanted to miss it. So even some of those, some of these people had recently gotten COVID or they're generally less careful than us. Normally they didn't want to miss the party. So they were being careful last week anyway. And then of course we were there and they wanted to see us and we were being, you know, sticklers. So everybody sucked it up and stayed it outside for us. It, it was nice. It was nice. Did a lot of park times, went to Abby's work at Grendel's one time and sat on the patio and drank outside and then drank at another place on Mass Ave towards Porter. My friend Megan McCarthy was in town. She lives there. So I introduced her to a bunch of people. It was just great. It was great, 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 great time. And, you know, I was really worried that I would be like, oh, my God, I miss all my friends. And I, I, every day, like the last four days, I had to go, you know, we're staying in Somerville. I had to go to Cambridge, Kendall central and harvard and they're all like an hour walk from where we're staying and i would walk each day an hour even with my headphones on to go meet a friend in these different places and i loved it so much i loved the walking i loved the socializing and i thought it'd be really hard to be home and i think it will kick in in another week or so we've been home for about four days now eventually i think it'll kick in and i'll miss it but i've been very happy to be home both airbnbs are were extraordinarily expensive houses that should have been really nice and were okay, but they definitely aren't your own home. The, so the second one had a leak and I think it had some mold in the walls. Emma and Jane both got like coughs. I sleep with a filtered CPAP. So I think I was spared. Um, you know, they're loud. Their floors are creaky. They're old. They're like not, they don't have good HVAC systems. They have nothing you need in the kitchen. It's just a hassle, but like, uh, and so then I'm like, well, I should buy a condo up here. But the, I don't know. I don't know. I'm Right now, I'm just happy to be home. I'm happy to be with my stuff. I'm happy to be in comfort and with decent climate control. I'm happy to be with my garden again. <laughs> I will miss it eventually, but I haven't yet. Uh, also, when I was in Salem, I went to see Andy Shea's grave in New Hampshire. That uh, was a day trip for me, and uh, I went alone, and it was really great, and I got to say goodbye, and I put my rock with the rocks of all my other friends that were at the grave, and I, I definitely cried. I was, like, sad about Andy, of course, and I saw these rocks from the people that had been there that had gone to the funeral that I couldn't go to because I have a kid, and I couldn't, you know, the whole thing, I'm far away, pandemic. And, you know, it's easy to go to a f outdoor funeral when you already are in New England. You just get in your car from your home and go to an outdoor spot and go to the funeral and go home. And so a lot of my friends pulled it off, but I could not. So I finally did. And, you know, I saw they're all rocks and they held their names on them. And, and it was it made me really sad. Um, my rock did not have its name on it. And I didn't have a Sharpie with me. So I might go again in another year or two and leave another rock. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to Portland, Maine, and I saw two old barbarians. I saw my old friend Shelby and my old friend Nick, who owns a brewery up there now called Bellflower Brewery. It's awesome. Strong recommend. Great place. Shelby and I had got coffee, and then we went to Bellflower, and we looked at that, and it was really amazing. And then I went down to another town uh, called Biddeford, uh, about 40, half an hour south of Portland on the way back home to Salem. And that's where my friend Brianna has a new coffee shop called Time and Tide Coffee. So I visited them. That was a great day. Got to see a bunch of people up there. Portland's awesome. I had all these friends up there and I really wanted to go. I had been once back when Shelby first moved there, but, uh, yeah, that was fantastic. Um, Somerville was great. Park parties were awesome. Shays was great. And the birthday party was so fun. It was at the, uh, foreign legion that's right on the charles river in cambridge you know and it was indoor outdoor and lots of people stayed outside with us and uh it was great jess showed up mike's partner from la she's from boston she's an old friend of ours but she lived out in la with him and she came back for the birthday party and the memorial the next day she's also very covid careful so she was outside the whole time but honestly lots of people were outside and it was awesome and i had super fun and we got a babysitter that night and we got a babysitter the next night for mike mike's memorial 
the one thing I regret is I didn't see the speeches. Just didn't want to go inside, and I thought it'd be good. I didn't really want to go inside either because I didn't want to get COVID. By this point, I was like hell bent on getting through this trip without getting it, and you know I didn't want to leave her alone outside at her boyfriend's funeral, so I stayed out there with her. Um, they say they're going to send her the, the speeches, and then I can get a copy from her. So I will have another moment with Mike as well in the next week or so, hopefully. Um, but. Yeah, other than that, it's amazing seeing a bunch more people I hadn't seen the other night. It was just, it was a lot. Those two nights were a lot. And they're the, like close to the last two nights of the trip. We had one more day, Monday, and we did the playground. And my friend Abigail showed up. Nick was in town. It was Nick's birthday Monday. Uh, he came to the playground with his wife and kid, partner and kid, excuse me, Craig. And uh, just so many people and their kids we had seen through the week. Ashley and George and Craig and Jane and Ada and, and all these friends. It was just amazing. And Jane just played with them really well. And they fit all right in. And I really, like, miss that. And I wish she was growing up with these people. But also, I love it here. So nothing's really changed. I'm permanently stuck in multiple places. I remember the first time I had that epiphany when I... I've been in Boston about two years and I still really miss my Alaska friends, but I really miss my Boston friends. I was like, that's it. I'm fucked. I'm fucked for the rest of my life. I never should have left home because now I'll always feel like I have no home because I'm in two places at once all the time. And it has not changed for 40 years. It's kind of amazing. 30 years, we'll say. Uh, and then we drove home another overnight drive. We switched it up this time. Emma did the first part. So she drove till about 3am and then I drove us home till 7am and that was intense. <laughs> Jane again, slept through the whole thing. Uh, Virginia was easy for me. Jane, Emma got us all the way to Virginia. God, she's such a, she's such a hardcore night driver, man. She does not mess around. Uh, Virginia was easy for me because they had mileposts every point two miles so I could count them and that kept me awake. And then I got to the North Carolina border and the mileposts were only every half mile and I was just like falling asleep. Not unsafely, but I, it was hard. And then Emma woke up around Durham so the last half hour, we were all awake for the last half hour. So that really helped a lot. Uh, we got home Tuesday morning. I had taken Wednesday and Thursday off because originally we were going to leave Tuesday night. And I needed at least one day to recover. But so then I had two days to recover. So I immediately looked at the garden and I was going to do something with it. But I was too tired. And we all just went back to sleep on Tuesday and slept most of the day. On Wednesday, I turned my attention to the garden, which was completely insane. Mostly survived. Mostly a success. The tomatoes grew like they're on Pandora or something. Three feet of growth. It was insane. The lettuce did great. The the grapes that I put outside the hoop house got eaten by the deer, which is a bummer, but the grapes in the hoop house are still good. I'm going to move the other grapes back into the hoop house tomorrow. Um, Napa cabbage got eaten by bugs, which is a bummer. Spinach did great until it bolted. Potatoes are doing great. Cucumbers did amazing. Peppers did great. Corn did great. Beans did great. Radishes, giant radish harvest. Carrots aren't done, but I thinned them again. Hopefully they'll be good in a couple of weeks. Uh, the onions did well. The celery completely failed. The basil's doing well. The watermelon, not a lot of progress yet. Uh, the broccoli had headed up as much as it was going to because it's summer and it was about to bolt. So I harvested that and it tasted good, but there just wasn't much across five plants. I got like one big head you'd get at the grocery store, but it was delicious. Herb garden did well. Fennel completely failed. Blueberries doing well. Uh, strawberries are propagating in their bed nicely, but not producing a lot of strawberries. Uh, baby bok choy failed. Uh, catnip's doing well. I think that's everything. Oh, the sunflowers got completely eaten. That was a real bummer. But all in all, I mean, like all my drip irrigation worked and it, it, the whole thing worked. I could leave a garden unattended. Three weeks is a little long. A week, I wouldn't even break a sweat. Two weeks, no problem. Three is 
a lot. I spent a lot of time trimming the tomatoes back to single vine. And I mean, I had more than a wheelbarrow full of tomato clippings that I had to clip. It was like, I felt like I was in the jungle. It was nuts. It was nuts. But yeah, there's a probably 50 tomatoes on the vines right now that are green, that are going to red and squirrels can't get them this year. So I'm going to have so many tomatoes. It's going to be amazing. I've been eating salads from the garden because the radishes, the beans, the lettuce, the cucumbers are, are all ready. I'm sad the celery didn't work. The onions are ready. Uh, but, oh my God, just fresh lettuce salads. So delicious compared to like grocery store lettuce. It's not even, not even close. But yeah, other than that, uh, what's going on here? Let's see. Uh, Chatham County, we're back home. Nothing really changed. Janet's doing well. Uh, I've been car shopping, sort of. Thinking about buying an electric car. Uh, trying to find one that's in stock. Not going to buy a Tesla because I'm sick of Elon Musk's shit. Uh, leaning towards a Ford Mach-E. Found one I want. Trying to negotiate on price because the dealers are putting too much markup on it. But that might happen. We'll see. But I don't know. I'm really torn. My car's like 12 years old and it doesn't have a backup camera and I have a bad neck and I'm starting to really worry about that. But I really don't want a new car, even though my car is 12 years old, which I don't think is that old. It feels like a new car to me still. It's still like a monumental piece of high technology compared to like, you know, my 1974 Dart and my 1985 Honda Accord that I had when I was younger. So I don't know. I'm torn, but uh, I think that might happen soonish. We will see. If one of these two dealers plays ball, uh, diet's going well. I had a new low this week. That was pretty exciting. Uh, 37 pounds or something like that down. Um, still on the Wagovi. Uh, I'm going to go up another step in two weeks. I don't have the prescription. It's been called in. I don't know if they have the medicine. I got to call them today. Hopefully that's working out. Jane's doing really well. Uh, she definitely took a few days to adapt, and she was throwing a lot of fits for a couple days. She was definitely sleep-deprived. We got home, even though she had been nominally asleep in the car the whole drive, 12 hours. When we got home, she was super cranky, and I put her down, and it took forever for her to fall asleep. And once she fell asleep around 8, so it took an hour, she slept till noon, so another four hours of sleep. And then that night, she conked right out at normal bedtime. So by day three... The tantrums started going away in the last couple of days. She's been really great. And like, we can talk about her tantrums and be like, you're raising your voice. You're starting to scream. You're upset. If you want to say no, just say no quietly or say no, thank you. And, and she, she gets it and she struggles. Uh, the funny thing is like, she says, I don't feel so good when she means I feel like being bad and not like when she's sick. So she's like, I don't feel so good, which is kind of like a warning that she's going to start being me. <laughs> I like that a lot. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, but you know, she's she's been doing great. Yeah, it's my bedtime tonight. Hopefully all goes well. Uh, oh, the other cool thing about Jane is like we've been talking a lot about sorry and mistakes. And when you say sorry, when you make a mistake. And so the whole thing is like if you make a mistake and you don't hurt anyone else, you can just say oops. But if you make a mistake and you hurt someone else, you can say sorry. And the other day she started to get it. I like fell on my chair and I went, oops. And she goes, you didn't hurt anyone else. You don't have to say sorry. And it's a very fine line, right? Because she's a, a girl and I don't want her to grow up saying sorry too much, but I want her to say it at the right time. So I'm like trying to make it. Emma's like trying to get all nuanced and technical to this four-year-old. Like, well, you know, sometimes the hurt is in her. And I'm like, no, 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 don't complicate it. We'll get that to later. Like, just let her understand the basics for now. Sorry when you hurt someone and oops, you know, and eh. <laughs> and that was like came around she's like yeah yeah you're right we don't want to raise her to so that and then she gets it it's like she's grasping these complex topics
topics like mastering her emotions. She doesn't get empathy at all yet. I'm still trying to get empathy. And every time I even bring it up, it, it gives her some sort of anxiety or something like that. I'll be like, mommy has feelings too. Have you thought about, ah, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And other than that, other projects besides gardening, nothing's really happening. There's a new No Man's Sky challenge out that came out while I was on the trip. So I only got like three weeks left to finish it. So I've been trying to do it. I played it in its entirety yesterday. Today's Sunday. Yesterday was Saturday. I was going to do the podcast. I went to bed early and I was going to get eight and a half hours of sleep. And then I woke up at six and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I only got like six hours of sleep. It sucked. And uh, I was just tired. I tired beyond all reasonable measure for six hours of sleep yesterday and I could not be productive so I just played this video game all day so now I've made a lot of progress on it so hopefully I will finish that up and uh yeah I mean work's been really busy I've been doing a ton of work and there's just no other projects at the moment besides good morning hello how are you which is profoundly satisfying I think we're close to the close of a second book I think it's going to end when Jane gets the vaccine which you know is de facto October at latest because she is going to be five in October. It might be sooner because they say it's coming. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good stopping point in the book. And then, I mean, I'll keep doing the newsletter. Maybe the books will keep going forever. I don't know. We will see. We will see. But that's what's going on. Back to work tomorrow. It's a four-day week, which is nice. Oh, we're going to go see Tears for Fears tomorrow night in Charlotte. That'll be fun. I uh, don't know if I'm going to do any other trips. It was pretty exhausting, and I'm happy to be home. I do want to take Jane up to see my mom. We called her on the phone the other day. My uncle and aunt are up there in Alaska, too. That would be nice, but with this mask mandate lifted on the planes, man, I just don't know if I want to bring Jane on a plane until at least she has one vaccine. Oh, I got my booster. Did I tell you that? Yeah, I would have told you that. that 13th, you would have known that already. Um, so I don't know about that. Uh, I might go to Boston or to New York for a show. And I need to see my friend Jenna on the 15th. I'll probably go to that. But uh, I don't think there's like a trip with Jane or the family anytime soon. It was fun, though. And we definitely want to go back to Boston for like as long as that again next year. That'll be great. Yeah. All right. Whew. Let's turn to the media. Um, I've added a few things to Plex since I got back. Uh, Hal Hartley sent me his last blu-ray re-release of two of his films flirt and amateur and the associated short films so they're up in plex if you like those uh the lego movie the second part is finally up there i love that movie and i wanted to rip it with all the extras and the batman and uh, that's not up there but i just ripped it i bought the 4k uhd blu-ray at walmart on my triumphant return to walmart and i ripped it and uh i gotta tag it all but it'll be up there in the next day or two Discogs, I shut down Discogs while I was gone, so I turned it back on right when I got back, and I've sold two things, Flaming Lips Soft Bulletin and a Shout It Out Loud music compilation. Shout It Out Loud was a music management company. I used to be friends with Francis, the guy that runs it back in the day, and uh, that sold, so that was cool. Um, I have not been to any shows, but there is Tears for Fears tomorrow, so that's very exciting. Music, this is a lot. <laughs> One thing, I went away for three weeks and like records just kept arriving. Janet was watching the house and she was just like, God, there's a pile of record boxes like three feet tall on the counter. It was awesome. It was like better than Christmas, all the records that arrived. It was just amazing. Uh, Florence and the Machines, Dance Fever, that came. Some of these arrived before I, I left. So that arrived before I left, as well as, well as Bark Psychosis's Independency. 
Uh, I love the Florence and Machine new album. It's awesome. Uh, actually, maybe I'll listen to it again. I'm still working through this whole pile of records that arrived, though, so it's going to be a little while. But that was a great record. I listened to it a lot on the trip. Uh, Bark Psychosis, uh, English post-rock band from the 90s that I really, really loved. I've been slowly trying to get all their music on vinyl. I had the CDs years ago, sold them, but Independency has been reissued, and I got a copy of it from Byron Coley at Ecstatic Yog Records in Western Mass, so that was really cool. Uh, I got in Salem, I bought the Peter Murphy Deep reissue. That was really awesome. I also bought, I bought three records at the record store in Salem. Bill took me to the record store in Salem. He was friends with the owner, and it was great. Bill and I had a nice record shopping outing, and I got that. And I got, uh, 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 you know, it's not on my list, but I got, oh yeah, there it is. Strand of Oaks, Dark Shores, and I got one more. Oh, the Rachel's Music for Egon Sheila at that record store. Reissue of Rachel's Music for Egon Sheila, which is awesome because I, again, I'm trying to get all the Rachel's on vinyl. Had it on CD, sold it, miss it. Used to see the Rachel's live all the time. Used to see Rachel's live all the time. Love them so much. Hadn't listened to music for Egon Sheila in quite some time. I, mean, I did listen to that one already. It was amazing. It was fantastic. Uh, Ricky, Ricky, R-I-K-I. The album's called Gold. It's on Deus Records. It's a woman. Very new wave 80s. It's awesome. I love it. Angel Olsen's new album, Big Time, which I also love, and I spent so much time listening to it on this trip, and it was so great, and it kind of reminds me of, like, peak Patsy Cline or something. It's so good. Porridge Radio, Water Slide, Diving Board, Ladder to the Sky. Accidentally bought two copies of that because I was so excited when it came out. I love Porridge Radio. And <laughs> it's funny, we were dr- eating, drinking at the patio in Grendel's, and my friend Eva Lisa's is like, I can't stand her with her warbling voice, <laughs> making fun of her vibrato. And she does have a very strong vibrato, but I love it. <laughs> Eva Lisa does not like it. It was pretty funny. Uh, the Sundays, I bought a copy of Reading, Writing, and Arithmetic on vinyl. It was very expensive, but I just, it irked me so much that I didn't own it. And the guy just threw in a copy of the Can't Be Sure 12 inch for free, but I already own the Can't Be Sure 12 inch, so now I own two copies of the Can't Be Sure 12 inch. I don't really know what to do with that. I'll probably sell one. Uh, Helium Super Bowl 7 inch. I did not own that. I own all the other Helium 7 inches in records, but I never bought the Super Bowl 7 inch, so I got that. Mercury Revs Sub Pop single, If You Want Me to Stay 7 inch from the Sub Pop Singles of the Month Club. Owned that at one point, lost it somehow, did not sell it that I know of, but I did not own it anymore. And then uh, All His Dream was reissued in the UK uh, on a green yellow marble, and so I got that. Even though I do own the original pressing of All His Dream, I probably didn't need to waste my money on that, but it's very pretty pressing. I bought another copy of Standing Still in the USA by the Dan Personals, Mike Gill's old band, because it's got a poster in it, and it was the only other copy for sale on vinyl on Discogs, so I got it. Uh, I was thinking I'd give it to Jess or something. Jess is thinking somebody else might want it. She's working through that. Uh, Mountain Goats, All Hail West Texas, finally released on vinyl. Love that record. It's got the... Uh, best ever death metal band in out of Denton, my favorite Mountain Goat song. <laughs> I love that song so much. Uh, Mogwai soundtrack to Atomic. Actually, I bought that at the record store in Salem as well. It was the one soundtrack by Mogwai that I did not already own. It's getting hot in here. Just the air conditioner there. Uh, new Spice record. Spice is such a good band, and they have such a boring, forgetful name. It's very frustrating. They're on Deus Records. They're from San Francisco. They're like a post-punk punk kind of thing, and they're so good. And the album's called Viv, V-I-V, and I love both Spice records. At least this one has a name. The first one was self-titled. It was completely impossible to find. On Discogs, there's Spice, parentheses, 29. <laughs> there's just too many bands named Spice. Why would you name your band Spice? But they're awesome. Just a great band. Uh, Bright Eyes got the, they've been doing these companions, uh, Fevers and Mirrors and Letting Off the Happiness Companions, where he re records 
songs from those albums with other people from the band. So I got those. Uh, Jesus and Mary Chain got live at Barrowlands was reissued. I could not ever afford the original pressing that came out like six, seven years ago. But they reissued it, and it was affordable, and it's on a great Marvel vinyl. And so I got that. Um, Rosalia's new album, Moto Mami. I love it. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, Justice Cross was the Vinyl Me Please record of the month, and the Magnetic Fields reissued finally House of Tomorrow on vinyl, which I never owned on vinyl. So I got that. And that is all the vinyl that I bought in while I was gone. It was a lot. Also got the Hal Hartley CD Elite Motive plus the Amateur Suite, which came with the Hal Hartley Blu-ray of Flirt and Amateur. Other albums I listened to in the last month. Ooh, Parts of the Machine Dance Fever, we talked about that. A lot of these I listen to and I don't even remember them now because it's been so long. <laughs> Alabaster de Plume, Gold, I think it was good. Don't remember it. Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I liked it okay, except for that song with the argument, which I found intolerable. I get it's some sort of poignant acting thing, but could not handle it. Like the rest of the record though. Kevin Morby. This is a photograph liked about half of the record, especially like the title track. It's a great song. Suzanne Vegas, 99.5, 99.9 Fahrenheit, an album that came out in like 92 that has that single title track and blood makes noise. And I love it a lot. When I was reading the exit stage left book, curious afterlife of pop stars, they mentioned Suzanne Vega and specifically that album and how our fans turned on her with that album. And I remember really liking it. So I listened to it all and it was great. Eddie Cashon, Eddie Shackon, pleasure, joy, and happiness. Uh, oh yeah. This is also something I learned about from exit stage left. Uh, Eddie Shackon is Eddie of Charles and Eddie from the song. Would I lie to you? And he like, made a comeback and made an album and it was really great and it's on domino records joan armatrading track record another one from Ed's exit stage left uh i never heard joan armatrading um i didn't like a lot of it but there she had a new wave period and uh, unlike neil young's new wave period joan armatrading's new wave period is awesome so i really like the synth pop stuff on that record uh aofi o'donovan age of apathy uh, i learned about this from kexp watched some of it on youtube and so i listened to the album very mellow i liked it a lot adam ant had a album that was mentioned in exit stage left that i had never heard of called adam ant is the blue black hussar marrying the gunner's daughter it came out like a few years ago not very long and it has a killer cover of Iggy Pop and like two other amazing tracks and the rest of it's just filler. Uh, the Sunday Static and Silence, which is the third Sunday's album, which is the one with Summertime, which is a perfect pop single. And I'm pretty sure I never listened to the whole record, so I'm marking it down as a new listen. But I might have listened to it when it came out because I was obsessed with the song Summertime when it came out. There's a solo I do in The Cartographer by Rockets Burst from the Streetlands that I straight up rip off from Summertime. <laughs> such a great song it's you and me in the summertime uh i have to listen to that right after this uh turnstile glow on turnstile heavy heavy rock loved it so good learned about that from kexp as well it's basically close to metal no that's a lie mixing them up with somebody else uh turnstiles rock not metal and it was great hard rock did not learn about it from kexp super awesome somebody told me they were one of their favorite live shows and i really want to see them live now Shirley Collins, Lodestar. Uh, oh, yeah, this was... Was this an exit stage left or was this something else? Anyway, Shirley Collins was a singer, a folk singer in the 60s, and then she lost her voice. And then she did a lot of jobs, and she was, very, she was big, apparently, in England at the time. This is a very fascinating story. I never heard of her. And she... Uh, 
you know, did all these like volunteering jobs and stuff. She had lost her voice for years, like decades. And then uh, she started writing and she started writing her memoirs. And she was Alan Lomax's girlfriend when he was doing all of the folkways stuff. And she was like far, far more involved in that stuff than Alan ever mentioned. And so like when her biography came out, it was a big sensation about how she was just as important as Alan Lomax and all this. Then she started getting all this attention she deserved. And from that, something happened in her psychologist psychologically where she got her voice back and she made a new album, which is also on Domino. Domino is on it for getting these oldies to like come back and make comeback albums. And uh, so Lodestar is that comeback album. And it was great. I really liked it. I really like the story too. I want to read her book. I might read her book soon. Craig Finn, lead singer of The Hold Steady, A Legacy of Rentals. Uh, I listened to this while walking around Salem by myself on the nights that Emma had Jane. Or in the mornings uh, when Annie wasn't around, I would just walk around like the beaches and stuff, and I would listen to the <laughs> Craig Finn album, and I really enjoyed it. Um, Craig Finn albums are like books, so like I feel like they're stories, and I feel like I do li- re-listen to them, but I re-listen to them about as often as I reread books as opposed to albums that I listen to a lot more frequently. And I just, it, it's like dipping in, it's like Raymond Chandler or something, it's like dipping into this world of these people that I feel like I know from my childhood and my youth in Alaska and when I was more of a druggie and things like that. And like, it's just so comforting, but also sad. And, you know, he really just evokes it, and it really, it just, it moves me, man. I'm not going to lie, it moves me. But that being said, I just each one of them I listen to once or twice, and then I don't think about them for a long time. And then sometimes I'll think about the story. It's different with the whole study because the whole study is a band and I listen to the music a lot more. Um, and then sometimes I'll think of a story in one of these songs and these Craig Finn solo records and I'll be like, which one was that? And I'll go listen to it again. Like I'd reread a short story or something like that. Uh, Spice Viv, we already talked about that. MXM Tune had a new album, Rising. It's great. It's way more mainstream poppy than her old stuff and more produced, which, you know, good for her. Go for it. I hope she gets huge, but I do like the old stuff a little bit better. Movie Tone, a... Space rock band from the 90s associated with Flying Saucer Attack and Third Eye Foundation put out a Peel session. It's on Spotify. Annie told me about it when we were in Salem, so I listened to that. Uh, Just Mustard, Heart Under. Uh, oh, yeah, Bill told me about this one. It was awesome. It's a very place to bury strangers meets the cranes. It's so good. It's like goth noise rock. Super into it. Heart Under by Just Mustard. Terrible name. Uh, Bruce Hornsby has a new album, Flicted. If you have not listened to Late Period, Bruce Hornsby, they're awesome. The last three albums have been really great. That being said, this is probably the weakest of the last three albums. I think apparently they make up a trilogy. Uh, but go ahead and listen to the last couple albums because they are really, really awesome. Very. Uh, he has guests from Bon Iver and Francis and the Lights. And so it sounds a lot like that sort of thing. It's much more sort of modern uh, Eau Claire rock. <laughs> <laughs> I need a name for that genre. <laughs> I'm calling it Eau Claire Rock until somebody else gives me a name for it. Uh, Aaron and the Lord, uh, Aaron Perino from Sheila Divine. I'm supposed to see him in Salem, but it didn't work out. That was kind of a bummer. But uh, work Word on Edge, no, World on Edge, I bet, it's, I bet that's a typo. New EP, great, really loves track. I really love tracks three and four, especially on that EP. I listened to the new Harry Styles, Harry's House. Everybody likes that album a lot. I thought it was pretty good. One or two tracks I really liked. I'm not as big a fan of everybody else. It's fine. It's catchy. Um, I like pop music. I don't like necessarily pop music that's trying to be pop music. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Might have to think about that more. But it was fine. I gave it a couple of listens. Uh, new Chick Chick Chick, Let It Be Blue. It was really good, man. It's a little bit more uh, influenced by international music, music of other cultures than the previous Chick 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 albums, uh, which I thought made it really compelling and interesting. 
Uh, I really liked it a lot. I already talked about the Porridge Radio album, New Like a Lee, I, I did not care for that tons. It had a couple tracks I really liked. It's really mellow and sad, which you'd think uh, on paper is right up my alley. I like Like a Lee a lot, and I like it when people that do pop that I like make sad albums. So you'd think I'd love it, and I do. I admire it, but like it didn't quite get me. Uh, Young Prisms, uh, awesome shoegaze band. The album's called Drifter. Really, really good. I think that was a Spotify recommendation for me, as was Deserta, Every Moment, Everything You Need. Uh, I looked that one up on, it was so good. Such a good, great shoegaze record. And so I looked it up and read an interview with a guy. He's a nurse in LA. <laughs> and he just makes awesome shoegaze with his friend. And it's really, really good. Uh, and that is it. That was all the albums in the last month, new albums in the last month. So, you know, for uh, like about an album a day. That's pretty legit, right? TV. Whew. You know, we did get a lot of TV in on this trip. I bought an Apple, brought an Apple TV. We had good internet connection. We had a lot of days at home, and I had bedtimes, and, you know, we saw a lot of friends, but we also got some TV in. We've been watching the new Kids in the Hall reboot, which I strongly recommend. It is freaking hilarious and totally solid. We've been watching Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I like a lot. I liked the first three episodes a lot. I did not care for the last episode so much. Or was that the... Yeah. Yeah, the fourth one. Didn't care for the fourth one so much. There's only two left. They're going to wrap it. I don't know, man. It's kind of annoying. Uh, I'm very sensitive to the fact there's only six episodes, so it's like compressed time. They don't have a lot of time, and I'm a little irked that they wasted one-sixth of the time on what they wasted it on in the fourth episode. So, you know. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, I am loving. It is straight-ahead, episodic Star Trek like the old days, and it makes me very happy, and I wish it would go on forever. Uh, we've been re-watching the original series, probably like five or six episodes. Um, we're not very far along, but uh, it's good to refresh yourself. And uh, every time I rewatch it, I am struck again by how completely sexist it is <laughs> and racist. And even though that was considered progressive, how far we've come, even in this period of retrograde Republican chicanery. Uh, SNL's done. Raised by Wolves. I haven't been watching lately. I got to finish the second season. Wellington Paranormal. Haven't been watching since in the last month. Halo. I finished Halo on the trip. That was a great season. I am a big Halo stand, even though I played the game for a total of three minutes ever. But I like the TV show. <laughs> Ms. Marvel, we watched episode one. I liked it a lot. It's definitely a teen show, but uh, Emma really liked it, and it's fine. Uh, you know, it's fine. It's not my thing. Maybe it'll get better. We'll see. It's only been one episode. I don't think it could get better. I think for what it is, it's about as good as it could get. It's just not my thing. Uh, we've been watching the Orville New Horizons. There are two episodes out on Hulu, and it is the Orville without the humor, which basically means that it's like Star Trek, which is really weird. And I can kind of see a world where they thought it'd be fun to show Star Trek up by making normal, good, solid, episodic Star Trek, but then the Trek people just did that with Strange New Worlds, so now they're both airing. And I guess that's fine because I like normal, episodic Star Trek, but I really liked the Orville with the jokes, too. And there have been exactly two jokes in these two episodes, and it's, like, weird, and it's kind of uncomfortable. And I don't know what they're going for, but uh, it's not bad. It's just Star Trek. It's not pastiche. It's homage. It's crazy. Uh, and I watched the first primetime version of the January 6th committee hearing. I did not watch it live because I thought it was going to be a normal congressional hearing and those are boring as hell. And I feel generally up to date on the topic, but I was watching the Orville when it happened. I was looking on Twitter and everybody was talking about the film and the, using the testimony from these people to tell the tale. And so the next day I had like an hour and a half free at work and I put it on while I was working and I was just like, Oh God, this is intense. Uh, 
Uh, some friends of mine say that there's, what's the point? It's not going to convince anyone. A, I don't think that's true. I think a large swath of the country is in the middle. There are only 24% of Americans are actually Republicans. And even if you're, you know, like me and you believe 80% of those people are uh, irredeemable, that means, you know, there's only 20% of Americans irredeemable and only 25% of Americans are Democrats. So the most of the people, over 50% of the people in America are in the middle and they're apathetic and you need them to stop being apathetic. And I think it could have some impact there. It was very heavily watched, which is good. And also, I think it's very important for history, right? If we fail at stopping this fascism that is being attempted, we need historical documents in the future to show what we did try and what worked and what did not work and what went wrong. And so there is utility in that, even if that is a dark line of thinking. We're going to talk about that very much today. <laughs> Although I think about it all the time because it's a huge giant problem. Um, yeah, maybe we'll get into more of that next week or in two weeks. Uh, movies. Let's see. I watched Fantastic Beast Secrets of Dumbledore. I watched a pirated copy because I don't want to give that woman any money, even though all the other other people, and they got rid of Johnny Depp. So, I mean, all the rest of the people in the movie are people that are perfectly decent human beings. But because J.K. Rowling's involved, I don't want to give her any money. So, nope. She should just announce she's giving her money away to charity from these films. That's what she should do. She's rich enough. She gives away her money anyway. Just, just assign the royalties to a charity. And not your own stupid charity, because I don't want to give money to your stupid charity now, because you're a turf. Anyway, uh, it was actually a lot better than the last one. They are writing the ship of the franchise, <laughs> turning off my political hat and turning on my Harry Potter fandom hat, which I'm annoyed that I still have. It was a much better film than the last one, and they are writing the ship of the franchise. It may be too late, but it was solid. It was a solid outing. I enjoyed it as a film. Not going to lie. Uh, the Northman, fantastic film. Everybody told me it was great. I'm waiting for these things to show up in my friend's plex because I'm still not going to the theater. I was caught when I snuck away to see Spider-Man Far From Home, even though I saw it in an empty theater. My, grand, my mother-in-law spent a week not watching Jane because of it. So that's just too high of a price to pay. Well, you know, it's her choice. But that's too high of a price for me to pay to go to a film in the theater. So I'm waiting for things to get on plex so it's usually before they're out on streaming but not a lot before a couple of weeks before so you know i saw fantastic beast about two weeks before it showed up on hbo same with the northman uh northman was awesome great film really solid good time emma loved it <laughs> morbius i watched morbius because i really approve of the two venom films because they're 90 minutes long and absurd and quick and uh, morbius was only 90 minutes long and it was pretty absurd and quick too but less funny another key aspect to the success of the venom films is the humor so morbius didn't have the same amount of humor that being said i love a good vampire flick so you know it was fine with me uh the lost city sandra bullock comedy that woman is she doesn't age. It's amazing. Uh, Brad Pitt's cameo is hilarious. Uh, I can't even remember who the dude was in the film, but he was amazing and hilarious. It wasn't a great film, but all the acting and jokes and comedy was funny. Um, so, you know, plot in a comedy is far less of a concern to me. I just like the comedy to be comedic, and it delivered on that. It's not the best film, but it's a fine popcorn comedy. Um, then I watched the St. Etienne film. I've been trying to tell you because it showed up on my friend Todd's Plex and I, he sent me a copy, um, because I love that album. It's the best St. Etienne album in 10 years. And they made a film attached to it. And it's basically a tone piece of a bunch of very attractive teenagers 
hanging out. But I enjoyed it. I watched it one day when I was uh, doing Jane bedtime, and Jane was mesmerized by it. <laughs> it was a good time. And then two nights ago, we watched uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which has been in my friend's box for like three weeks, and I desperately wanted to get to it, but I just couldn't on the trip because I'd never had two and a half hours to dedicate to it. Also, the TVs in our both our Airbnbs sucked, and I wanted I much rather see in a theater. But if I can't see in a theater, I'd like to see it on my you know giant 4K television downstairs here in my theater room than on some crappy TV in an Airbnb. And so we watched it two nights ago, and it's as good as everyone says. It's just a monumental accomplishment of a film. I will probably watch it again. I can't imagine how much work it was. It's <laughs> such an amazing film. So good. Uh, books. We talked about Exit Stage Left enough. I finished that right. Like if maybe even before the last episode, but I've been reading this whole trip, how the world really works. A scientist's guide to our past, present and future by Vaclav Smeal. Vaclav Smeal. I love him. He's a scientist uh, professor who does a lot of research into how the world works, uh, food, uh, energy. Uh, I've read energy and civilization, a few of his other books, and, but this is a lay person's guide to how the world really works. It's exactly what it says. It's not that long. It's 300 pages. I'm about halfway through. It's a little bit dark and depressing. If you think we're ever going to get off of, uh, you know, fossil fuels, but it's also incredibly, incredibly informative and I cannot recommend it strongly enough. I'm not done yet. So we will definitely talk about it some more, but it's a great book. So now that I've done all this, I think probably in two weeks, my life will be back to normal the whole time and we can talk about politics and we can talk about Vaclav Smeal and we can talk about other things, other things than the trip and all the records that showed up in my house. is about it for a month you know considering it's been a month 48 minutes and 45 seconds isn't too bad right uh back to our regularly scheduled two-week cycle now and uh thank you for your patience and drop a line let me know how you're doing and uh take care and i will talk to you guys soon okay bye